You're listening to DraftKings Network. We'd also look from where we were in situated in north central Wisconsin, how many games late November and December and where applicable January, because, hey, it's a competitive advantage. to talk with you he is the one and only host of the business of sports podcast which has been unbelievable last week had a hilarious and amazing Andrew Luck story encourage people to follow him on Twitter like I do at Andrew Brandt obviously all over a bunch of these topics it's funny Andrew because I know you talked about the Lamar Jackson contract I know you talked about the Aaron Rodgers deal on your show, Business of Sports, but I haven't had a chance to ask you questions and really dive into it with you a little bit. So I definitely want to do that. But let's start with the NFL schedule that came out completely on Thursday night. Although I got to tell you, Andrew, it's funny to me, man, that the NFL, everything, the combine, the draft, they have figured out how to extend everything and make everything a bigger deal, a longer deal, and more of an event. What did we get last week? Like five days of leaks of like one game here, one game there. I don't know if they're marketing geniuses or we're just idiots. Yeah, Ross, always good to be with you. This is the power of the NFL. It never ceases to amaze. The schedule release, which everyone knew in January, right? Who they're going to play in 2023. We already know that. And I tweeted it out the other day, like, what are we doing here? This is just about date unwrapping packages that were delivered in January. But I get it. People have to make plans and travel. And that's all. And certainly I know that from being in Green Bay, you plan your schedule around the Packers. But yeah, they made it an event. And you're right. Dribs and drabs out for five days. The international games, the German games, the London games, the opener, the Christmas game, the New Year's game the Black Friday game, the Thanksgiving game, and on and on and on. It's the PR machine of the NFL. I think even, Ross, as you know, like even during the draft or before the draft, maybe they were like, yeah, it may come out May 11th, but it may come out later. And then there was an announcement, it will come out May 11th. Like that was big news. They do a great job, I guess. But it's us. It's us, right? The consumer loves the NFL We'd watch them program, you know, two guys staring at a wall if they had logos, right? That's that's where we are, and we're both guilty of it. So I talked about this last week, and I know the answer in terms of what players look at when the schedule comes out. And I think most players look immediately to see when their bye week is. But I'm curious, a front office executive, maybe the coaches, I don't know, what did you guys look at when the schedule first came out? Yeah, I mean, let's put it in context because we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But I remember these days vividly, the, the schedule release day. And we know the schedule by 8 in the morning, you know, where they don't have it on TV until n- at night with the network, NFL Network. But 
Uh, here's a few things, Ross. We would look at by week, of course, and the hope was always week seven, eight, or nine, right smack in the middle of the season. That was the ideal by weeks. And you know what? With the Packers, it seemed like we got those all the time. We were right seven, eight, nine. That was our sweet spot, which was great. We'd also look from where we were in situated in north central Wisconsin, how many games late November and December and where applicable January, because, hey, it's a competitive advantage. Now, we didn't always take advantage of that, but it's a competitive advantage to have a game at Lambeau Field uh, in that time frame. It just is, especially for warm weather teams coming up there. Then we would look at, at least I would with the coaches, Thursday night and Monday night, because they will provide disruptions in your schedule and preparation for the Thursday night, preparation for the Sunday after the Monday night. These are things that we had to be prepared for. And then, Ross, I don't even know if you know, but I was in charge of team travel on the charter side. I didn't do the logistics, but I negotiated the planes. So we'd have 10 planes a year and I would always look at, okay, do we have California or Florida on the schedule? Jacksonville, Tampa, Miami, San Diego, Arizona, Phoenix, Seattle, San Francisco. Because then it's a much bigger plane. And it might be a Friday night travel as opposed to Sunday tra- or Saturday travel. So these are the things someone like me was looking at. Because if we had a couple uh, long-distance trips, that budget for charter travel is going to go way up. Because you need a bigger plane and you're going to need an extra night. Coaches would like to travel on Friday to those locations rather than Saturday. Those are some of the things I look for. Okay, so maybe this is a dumb question, but why do you need a bigger plane? Oh, just a comfort thing. It's fine stuffing the guys in when we go to Chicago or Detroit or Minneapolis. And when I say stuffing in, I mean... You know, these are big guys trying to get in their seats in a seven, whatever it was, 737, whatever the small one was. But for a long flight, we wanted to allow for at least an extra seat. Oh, that's interesting. I I never noticed or thought of it that way, I guess. You know, I hit you up on a tweet last week from Adam Schefter. Um, And again, Andrew's at Andrew Brand. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL where he talked about Tyler Lockett, yeah. his real estate company, becoming the official realtor of the Seahawks. Then I saw late last week Tyler Lockett restructured his contract. <laughs> and, you know, I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, Andrew. Yeah. But on some level, right, there's got to be some process or protocol that the teams have to go through if they go in business with one of their players to make sure it's not some type of salary cap circumvention, right? They have to prove that Tyler's company's paying market value. Yeah. I think maybe we, we, not just you, we jumped a gun a little bit on that. I'll get back to that in a second, but let's just be clear for all the listeners. Salary cap is contracts period, right? The only value you can have on on a contract, on a compensation for a player, is a contract. You can't have cars. You can't have houses. You can't have deals. And that's a problem because you can't give a player any kind of extra compensation. Now, going to the Seahawks' entire locket, 
is there some kind of relationship that's going on between the Seahawks and the, the bank or the financial company that's somehow related to Tyler Lockett getting value for that? What I'm giving, and and by the way, if you're asking me on Twitter, you can best believe that there's one, two, five, 10, 12 teams asking the management council, the league office, what the hell is this? Because the teams are the biggest tattlers in the world. If they see something like that, I'm sure they're asking about it. I'm going to put myself in the Seattle Seahawks and basically say that this is a relationship with a bank. Let's call it a bank where we have a relationship and Tyler Lockett has a relationship. I guess that's what I'm seeing where we have a relationship and he has a relationship and they are separate. Now we may not believe that, but I'm guessing they're separate. I mean, I guess it's a situation where, you know, uh, I don't know. The one that comes to mind all the time is Tom Brady with his TB 12 and his trainer having offices at Patriot place in new England, that drew a lot of scrutiny and the, the party line we got out of the league was it's completely separate. Uh, he's paying the lease price at Patriot place and Tom Brady's involved with him separate from the Patriots. So you're right though. There's a, there's a little bit of a slippery slope here. I, I would agree with that. Just like I would agree, there's absolutely nothing that tastes better this week when I'm watching the hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, than Labatt Blue Light. If you really want to take things to the next level while you're watching sports, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, let's get Andrew to Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. You know, you were right in terms of the end result of the Aaron Rodgers trade in the sense that the Packers utilized the leverage they felt like they had and I thought got a fantastic deal. Whereas for the Jets, I got to be honest with you, Andrew, um, I think this is the value of the Packers not having an owner and the Jets having an owner. I think the Jets blinked. I think the owner wanted the deal done. I think the owner wanted the deal done before the draft and wanted to start to sell all the luxury box suites they have and the tickets. I also think, Andrew, the Packers took advantage of a general manager and a head coach who know they have to make the playoffs this year. And so what do they care about future draft picks if they don't make the playoffs this year? They're probably gone, and that's somebody else's draft pick anyway. And I guess, Andrew, I don't blame Joe Douglas and Robert Sala because now they have Aaron Rodgers, they'll probably make the playoffs, and those guys will probably get contract extensions. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not trying to pat myself on the back, but to me, I just didn't understand how anyone could see it differently. Even before the Pat McAfee interview, the Jets have no leverage here. The Packers had all the leverage. And the main reason was the Jets had committed Right. The Jets flew out there, kissed the ring, told their fan base they're working on it, told the fan base there's no plan B. All the the Derek Carrs and of the world were all signed. They're not trading for Ryan Tannehill. They're not drafting. They're not going to Zach Wilson. It's over. There's only one option. 
And how anyone could think the Jets had leverage. I mean, people were saying, well, the Jets have leverage because Aaron will show up in Green Bay and drop a weight on his foot. I mean, come on. Let's be real here. Aaron's not leaving Southern California to go to Green Bay to work out. Just not happening. So I just thought this was a leverage situation and the Packers took advantage of it. They clearly did. Because uh, here it is, Ross. Swapping number ones. Number two, number one next year in all probability for a, and a, and a offload of $100 million. And here's the kicker. For a player that was never, ever, ever, ever going to play for them again. Like, imagine that. <laughs> that player was gone. They replaced him. He was never going to play for them again. And they got all that. And I, you, you, you took the words out of my mouth about the owner. There were times, and I want to say this, there were times being in Green Bay where I felt very persecuted by not having an owner. It was primarily at NFL meetings where I thought we were treated as second-class citizens. I thought we were kind of patted on the back or patted on the head. Good old Green Bay. You guys are great and not treated with the same respect or dignity or gravitas as the owner. This was a time where I thought it really advantaged the Packers not to have an owner. They had no time pressure. They had no one who was ever going to walk into Brian Gutekunst's office or Mark Murphy's office and say, get it done, guys. Come on, what am I waiting for? And I think that happened in New York. I think Woody Johnson did that. And listen, anyone can rationalize anything. Well, if they get to the Super Bowl, it was worth it. Or if they're in, they win this. Yeah, of course. Of course. But you know how fine a margin that is? I mean, we don't know if Aaron's going to play next year, right? We don't even know if he's going to play next year, let alone, you know, be worth this year. And the 65% play time to get a number one with no conditions for playoffs or for statistical performance. It's an extraordinary deal for the Packers and they've moved on to love. And of course they're not going to have Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to be favored like they were in the past, but they got out well here. Andrew, I am thrilled for Lamar Jackson that yeah. he signed this contract and that he kind of gave up on wanting to get the fully guaranteed. I was hoping and waiting for him to do this. And I think he deserves a lot of kudos for the deal. It is interesting though, to me, it's not really very much more than what the Ravens offered before the season. So, I mean, on some level, he's getting a lot of credit right now and more power to him, but he took on a decent amount of risk and didn't really get that much money back in return for that. Is that fair? Not entirely. I mean, listen, let's just go over the downside first. He didn't get the, the Watson guarantee. God willing, you and I are doing this in 10 years, Ross, where we're going to look back and say, hey, remember 2022, the Cleveland Browns gave out a fully guaranteed five-year deal to a veteran quarterback? Because I think we're there. I think it's not happening. It's not happening with Burrow. It's not happening with Her Herbert. Just think we're there. He didn't get it. He was our best test case. On the positive side, it's an extraordinary deal. It's, uh, you know, as someone who studies these things, Ross, I look at one-year cash, I look at three-year cash as key markers. One-year cash is $80 million. It's That's an extraordinary number. Best ever. Three-year cash, 156 Best ever. 
better than Aaron Rodgers, better than Russell Wilson, anyone, pick a name, anyone, Rashawn Watson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, uh, all of them. So that three-year number. Now, if you want to make the case, well, if he signed when Josh Allen signed, he would have had two years of high money for two years. Well, I think there was a, I think I did the math and he comes out about the same as Josh Allen over three years, not having done a deal. In other words, Josh Allen's done a veteran deal now for two years. If you add in Lamar's 2023 and Allen's 2023, they're about the same, even with not having done the deal. So where I take issue with what you said, Ross, I think the number that was reported at the start of the year was 133 over three. Just forget about all the other numbers. 133 over three, he's now 156 over three. That's $23 million. Now, if he did 133 over three, and then you had Jalen Hurts get 51 million average after that, it wouldn't look so good, you know? So I think the waiting for Hurts really helped. And I don't think Hurts is a great deal, but I think Hurts has that 51 million average that really helped Jackson. Um, So I don't know who was helping Jackson, Ross. Uh, People have asked me. I'll say it on on right here. No, no one. I was not helping Jackson. I was not helping Lamar. But I thought he did a really good job. I mean, how do you argue with that kind of number? It's And it's five years, which is not great, but he'll be a free agent at what? Age 30, 31 to get another big bite at the apple. So I'm impressed. Well, and looking at the last two year cap numbers, it'll be before then. Yeah. It's like 75 million each those two years. So they'll have to do something three years from now. Check out this man on social media. He's fantastic at Andrew Brandt. I'm not personally aware of another podcast like his where you really get to understand the business of sports, in particular the business of football. Fantastic stuff always on the business of sports. Check him out on social, at Andrew Brandt. Andrew, good to talk with you again, man. You already got your uh, – you're already getting sun. I can tell you've been outside a lot. It's uh, it's Andrew Brandt outside season. I love it. Thank you. Thanks, Ross. Semester ended last week, so uh, I'm out and about for the summer already. Thanks. <laughs>